Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Odorico, and right alongside, of course, each and every week is none other than LPJ professional and Legends Tour player Cindy Miller, and we are the hosts of the Women of Golf Show. Good morning, Cindy, and welcome. Good morning, Ted. It's a great day in western New York. It certainly is, and probably better because I got home to rain, but uh, we'll talk about that in a moment. Um, but uh, always a great day here, and, and always look forward to uh, – uh, being on air with you Tuesday morning, Cindy, and we'll we'll get to that in just a second. But let me just remind everybody, of course, we are live Tuesday mornings, unless otherwise indicated, uh, here on the blogtalkradio.com network. Uh, best way to find us, go to blogtalkradio.com and uh, type in Women of Golf up in the search key, and that will take you to the main page. And we're live, uh, as I said, Tuesdays 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern uh, Standard Time for those of you in the East Coast. And um, also, we're available through iTunes.com or Stitcher.com. Uh, you can search under the podcast section again, just type in women of golf and that will take you there as well. And for some reason, if you can't join us uh, during the live broadcast, uh, you can go to blogtalkradio.com or the other networks and just scroll down to the on-demand section and all of the previously aired shows will be there uh, in their entirety. So you can listen to them when it's convenient for you. But uh, thanks to all of you that are joining us live this morning. Uh, also, if you want to call in and speak to us during the live broadcast, you can do so at area code 347-945-5855. And uh, you can also reach out to Cindy and I personally uh, if you have some comments or questions about the show, uh, or maybe you're somebody in the golf industry that would like to come on as a guest. Uh, many have reached out over the last several years. Uh, Cindy's email is, of course, cindy at cindymillergolf.com, and mine is ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. We've got a great show for you this morning. Uh, we're going to start off with a discussion uh, analyzing a player's mindset, uh, pros versus the amateurs, uh, a little bit from both perspectives. And then a little bit later on in the broadcast, the second half, we're going to be joined by a very special guest uh, who uh, a number of people have put a bug in my ear uh, to have come on the show. So uh, we, we reached out and, and made that arrangement. And her name is uh, Alyssa Godet. Uh, she is the president of the and founder of the Executive Golf uh, International and also Women's Golf Day, which is very uh, interesting uh, event, so we'll tell you about that when she comes on. But um, yeah, so Cindy, let me just uh, Cindy and I were talking a little bit. I just mentioned that I got back from a trip from New York, uh, took a little vacation. My uh, partner uh, Carol and I, and Cindy, I was telling you about uh, our, our uh, beginning of the trip. Of course, we had a little bit of a delay, and I won't bore everybody with all the details. But uh, we flew Southwest. Great airline, never had any major issues with them over that. But this one time, of course, excited about going for a, an extended long weekend, and we flew out last Thursday. And, of course, they had a little bit of rain, as they sometimes do up in, in uh, New York. And uh, we got delayed and got rerouted to Baltimore. And our flight was originally scheduled to come in at 6.30 p.m. to LaGuardia. By the time we got in and into the hotel in Times Square, it was 2.30 a.m., so, needless to say, it was not a great start, Cindy, but uh, we made it and had a great time uh, despite that. But um, very interesting. I'm sure you, flying as much as you do, Cindy, I'm sure you've had plenty of uh, stories very similar where you've had long delays, and it is what it is. and It's the price of traveling, I guess. That's for sure. Last but, Tuesday um, when I anyways. was in Orlando, I was, um, I was delayed by hours. I didn't get to Kelly's house until 3.30 in the morning. So I I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> well, they actually had, funny enough, last week, they said that when we got in, it was, it, you know, it wasn't just our airline. It was a major, uh, they had a, quite a front that had come into New York. And, and this, you know, obviously when it happens and, it, you know, it is what it is. But anyways, we had a great time in New York, uh, but we're here to talk about golf. So 
enough of my whining and complaining. Um, Cindy, I thought we would start off with a, an interesting discussion and, and, you know, just sort of riding on the, on the coattails, I guess, of, of last week when we talked a little bit about uh, you making a run at the Senior LPGA Championship. So I thought, uh, talk a little bit about um, sort of analyzing a player's mindset. So from a professional standpoint, you know, maybe Cindy, you can shed some light. And I thought the first uh, obvious question is, is really what, is a player's mindset coming into a tournament or an event? Now, obviously, from the professional, uh, you know, Cindy, maybe you can talk a little bit about what your mindset was uh, coming into that event uh, the previous week um, and, and trying to, to make a run at it and, and get into the event, number one. But also, once you get into an event, regardless of what it is as a professional, what are you thinking about? What, what's your game plan coming into that uh, are you going in with an expectation to win or a hope to win or, or what, what's your thought process? And then we'll talk a little bit about how it differs from the amateurs. Well, I would say that I think the mindset of a committed player is, and I'm not going to differentiate between tour player and amateur although the tour player would have a more committed mindset because they are their only inventory. So they are the number one thing. They have to make sure they're physically fit, mentally fit, emotionally fit, and their golf swing is fit, you know, short game in all parts of their game. So they are their only inventory. Now, amateurs, needless to say, and or others who don't play full time have to do other things in life. And, You'll right. find sometimes when tour players have kids, they either get better or get worse. And part of the reason is that there's a distraction. And so sometimes that distraction can be a good thing. And sometimes that distraction is not so good. So I would tell you right. that those who really want to get better at golf have to invest the time and energy in their game. So I don't, you know, again, there's tournaments that you prepare for. Um, let's say you're an amateur and you're trying to get ready for the club championship. You can sometimes put right. too much pressure on yourself to try to get too good and try to peak for one tournament when really you're just trying to improve your game. You know, no yeah. one can control whether or not they win or we would all win all the time. So, you know, look right. at the, the example this weekend of the <clears throat> young girl who's 17, the Korean girl who was tied for the lead with three holes to play. And yep. to be honest with you, she didn't make a terrible swing. You know, she she went for the pin mm. and she bailed out just a hair, hit it in the water, and there goes the dream. Now, on the other hand, you got to say, right. well, she played 71 holes. Totally amazing. She's 17 years old. She's like a machine. You know, don't let one swing bother you. You know, so again, I I don't believe that you can. Um, I don't think it's a smart move for most people to gear themselves up for one tournament. Now, Jack Nicholas, Ben Hogan, Tiger Woods would all say, "Well, that's not the truth." You know, it depends who you are. They want to gear up for four tournaments, four majors. Are you there? Did I lose you? Welcome back, everybody. My apologies uh, for that. We had a, a major lightning strike in the area, and it uh, took the system down momentarily. My apologies for that, but uh, I'm back, and I'm just waiting for, for Cindy to call back into the show, and uh, we'll continue our conversation. But as I said, I apologize for that. I'm not sure... Uh, just how uh, how bad it was, but obviously it was bad enough it took us down. 
But uh, anyways, I'll just wait for Cindy to call back and we'll uh, continue on the conversation. And hopefully she'll be joining me here in just a moment. Um, I know that she was in midstream and conversation, but unfortunately this is what happens when you deal with technology. Occasionally uh, you get uh, a situation where this happens from time to time. And uh, all I can offer is, is our deepest and sincerest apologies that uh, this happened. And as I said, as soon as Cindy is uh, able to connect back into the show, then we'll, uh, we'll continue on our conversation. Um, but uh, we were starting, for those of you that were uh, just joining us now on the, on the program, we were in the middle of discussing, uh, really analyzing the mindset of, um, between pros and, and amateurs, what uh, uh, pros might take uh, away from uh, getting preparation into tournaments and uh, what uh, amateurs could learn uh, from that uh, information as well. But um, we'll continue, as I said, that conversation. I'm not sure if, uh, if Cindy's having a problem getting in as well, but uh, it took, us a, a cup, took me a couple of minutes to get back into the system. But anyway, just bear with us, and, and we'll uh, continue the show here in just a, just a moment. But, um, but anyways, um, we've got a very special guest coming up. Uh, in the second half of the show, Alyssa Godet, uh, as I mentioned earlier in the program, she's the president of, uh, and executive uh, of, of, of Executive Golf International and Women's Golf Day, and um, she'll be joining us here in the second half in probably about 15 minutes, so hopefully everything will be uh, running smoothly for that, and if not, well, uh, we'll have to have her back uh, on that uh, on that program And as I said, just waiting for Cindy to uh, to call back in. I guess she may be having a some difficulty as well. Yeah, it appears she may be having some some difficulty. Uh, again, I apologize, ladies and gentlemen, for um, some of the difficulties here. As I said, we just literally had a or I had here. I'm in uh, Northwest Florida, and of course, had a major. Um, lightning strike in the area and it literally took the power down so there may have been some unfortunately some residual effects so we'll just uh, give it another moment here and, and uh, see if Cindy's able to uh, join me back here I'm not sure if she's having a, a problem but uh, let me just try and reach out to her while we see what uh, see what we can do here she may be having some difficulty dialing into the to the system as well but um but anyways um had a as i started out the program had an interesting start to my vacation just got back from vacation actually uh last evening from and there's cindy so let me uh bring her back on hey cindy welcome back thank you dear my apologies we had as i was just explaining to everyone we had a major lightning strike literally just the, the noise and then everything went down. So um, we'll uh, we'll try to continue the conversation. I know we've uh, eaten into a little bit of our time here for our discussion this morning. So my apologies to everybody for that. Um, but Cindy, you were talking a little a little bit about um, you know in preparation for tournaments and and that sort of thing and and um, really kind of what the mindsets are. And let me just throw this question in and I guess to sort of pick up a, a little bit uh, of that is obviously confidence uh has a lot to do with it as well correct absolutely and and again i'm not sure where it went down but i know that you know tour stars try to prepare themselves for the four majors every year so they try to be sure that they're peaking at the majors which is good because it gives them something to work towards and and a goal and, and depending on, you know, what you really want out of golf will determine how much you're going to invest to get out of golf. So, you know, it's funny that we were talking about this. We teach a lot of kids that play college golf, and, and only a few have played at the best D1 school. And why is that? Yeah. Well, 
you have to be better. And and so, well, what does that mean? Well, you have to invest more time, energy. You know, you have to work on your game more. You have to be more committed, more dedicated. Um, so, it, again, it depends on what you're looking for. We had a young girl come in last night who's playing at a D3 school, NAIA, in uh, Naples, Florida. And she said, you know, I really didn't play golf much last summer, and I haven't really played much since I've been home. Well, but she's playing on the golf team, and she's always starting. So she really hasn't taken any lessons in two years, and she's playing golf in college. Well, she doesn't need to because shooting 88 or 92, she's in the top five on her team. You know, now if she was playing at, you know, the University of Texas, different story. Again, I think what what our listeners need to be aware of, depending on what it is, what's your goal, what's your dream, what's your vision, you need to say, okay, how much work do I have to put in for my want? I mean, let's ask this little young girl that's 17 to finish, you know, second place in the U.S. Open. How much does she work on her golf game? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Right. Every day, all day. Yeah, it, yeah exactly. <laughs> And, and it goes back to that, that question that, you know, you, you've asked many times is the why. Um, and you just pointed out, you know, really, why do you want to play? Why are you there? And, and if you're somebody that wants to play competitive golf, um, then obviously you, you have to be prepared to make that commitment. And that's going to affect the mindset going in. Now, obviously, some of the, the more elite players, um, you know, Tiger often said, you know, he didn't want to go into a tournament if he didn't think he could win. Um, and I'm sure players like Annika and some of the others that were at the top of their game – have a certain, uh, you know, expectation. But I think that, again, goes back to the confidence uh, level that they had. They knew their abilities. They knew what going in. They knew uh, essentially uh, who they were playing against and had a pretty good eye eye and and assessment of what those other players were capable of. So, um, but again, you know, circumstances can change in any given day. I mean, you can be on the top of your game and still lose the tournament. Um, so it really depends on, on that. Let me just ask a, a, another question here, Cindy, uh, that uh, we'll have to move along, unfortunately, because we, we missed a little bit of the time uh, because of that, uh, that power outage. But, um, you know, what do you do in a case, um, you know, as a professional, you know, we've heard this before. I, I remember Nicholas talked about this. What do you do if a course doesn't fit your eye? Maybe if you're a, a left-to-right to ball flight uh, is your traditionally ball flight. Um, and maybe a lot of the holes favor a right-to-left shot or more of a draw shot. What do you do in a case like that? How do you adapt uh, as a professional? When you were out in a course, Cindy, I'm sure there were courses that didn't really just fit your eye 100%. What did you do to, to uh, accommodate or adjust accordingly, and what could maybe the amateurs learn from that? Well, if there's a course that doesn't fit your eye and you're a professional and it's not a major, you don't play there. So, right. know, on the other hand, if that's if it's your home course and you're an amateur, you know, and you really don't love the course, don't join. On the other hand, if you have no choice, then you've got to find a way to play the holes differently. So you might stand on the different side of the tee box. You might hit a different shot off the tee to play a particular hole a different way, if that makes sense. Um, You try to find a way to make it be more appealing. Yeah, and and I also think, too, I, I think that, you know, maybe be less, you know, I, I remember, and the reason why I use Jack Nicholas as an example is I know that he mentioned that there were certain courses and tournaments that he was involved in um, that didn't necessarily, certain holes, maybe not the entire course, but certain holes didn't fit his eye. He was less aggressive on those holes because he knew that, um, I, again, if it didn't suit a, a left-to-right ball flight, um, per se, um, then what he would do is, you know, he would play less aggressively on the hole and be happy if he got away with par. Uh, if, you know, if something else happened, if he got a, a birdie out of it, that was a bonus. But he didn't, he didn't try to be too aggressive on those holes. And I think what the amateurs um, maybe can take away from this, if you come up to a hole, as, as you just pointed out, that doesn't really fit your eye, um, you know, then I think that you need to make some adjustments. Again, maybe playing to the other side of the tee box, um, maybe taking less club. If it's a right-to-left shot, maybe you're on a, a right-to-left dog leg. Um, don't you're obviously you're not going to try and cut the corner. So maybe take a, a little less club, and and if you can keep yourself in the fairway as best you can, 
and um, you know you might have to play a little bit longer hole that way, but don't get too aggressive with that shot because then you're going to be in all kinds of trouble. Um, would you agree with that, Cindy? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, there's holes that, you know, needless to say, are a little more, a little easier than others, and you need to be aware of that. But again, it all boils down to how good are you? Are you a good enough player to think these thoughts? You know, if you're just pretty new to golf and, and you know, like our, our guest coming up, you know, she's the one that created Women's Golf Day. And um, right. trying to get people to co- go out and play golf. Well, those thoughts are beyond comprehension to a new player. You just need to bunt it down right. the fairway and, and, you know, get on the green at par and try to two-putt and 108 would be a great score. So I guess, you know, it really depends on your ability and your playing level. But I think some holes definitely are you can play more aggressively than others, and that would boil down back again to, you know, what's your personality style? I'm going to tend to go for things more than uh, a person that's a little more steady, you know, like my husband, Alan. He hits every fairway and every green, and I'm like, oh, all over the place. But, you know, Alan's going to make 18 cards. Like, Shen Shen Fen, you know, she was about to make 18 pars on Sunday uh, until she made an eight on the last hole, and she chunked the chip. But the day before, I think she made 17 pars on a birdie. You know, so that would be steady Eddie. And, you know, yep. somebody else is a little more aggressive. They're going to go for things, and they're going to have some doubles and triples and lots of birdies. Yeah, exactly. It does go back to, again, your original comment, and that is I think it really it's going to depend on why the individual is playing golf. As you said, you know, if you're a newbie to the game, um, you know, then obviously this isn't going to apply. And I think first and foremost, you need to get out there and experiment and try a little bit, learn the basics of the game, learn and understand what the game is all about. Uh, and most importantly, just go out there and have fun and then decide based on your abilities at that point. If you're somebody that naturally, I mean, there's some people that just come out there and can pick up a golf club and naturally kind of groove a, a pretty decent swing and with a little bit of help can get out there and be a phenomenal player. Then there's others that just, it's, it's like it's something like they landed on Mars and it's going to need a little bit more work. So you have to understand, I think, really to analyze the mindset of any player um, is, is needing to understand, first and foremost, why they're there in the first place. What's their motivation for playing? Is it um, maybe to uh, further their business career by, by adding it to their sort of repertoire, their business repertoire? Uh, is it just to have some fun if it's a group of ladies that just want to get together maybe once or twice a week or, or once every few weeks just to, as a social thing? So it really depends on that. Uh, and I think as, as golf professionals, um, where it comes in for us, to, important to analyze it, is, is to have that answer first and foremost. I think we need to, especially with new students, we need to understand what the reasoning is there in the first place before we you know, sign them up for a bunch of lessons that maybe they really don't need. So um, we'll, we'll close it out there, Cindy, unless you have any final comments or, or want to add to that. No, I'm great. Okay, perfect. Uh, all right. Um, Again, we apologize for a little bit of interruption earlier. Unfortunately, we had a, a power outage, but um, we seem to be good now. So uh, let me introduce uh, Cindy, our, our very special guest this morning, uh, Alyssa Godet. Uh, she's the president and founder of uh, the Executive Golf International and also Women's uh, Golf Day, as you mentioned. Uh, Alyssa has 16 years of golf industry experience in the U.S., Europe, and Latin America, including uh, executing the 2002 EMC World Cup for the PGA Tour. Uh, she also headed up sponsorship, marketing, and PR uh, for the Latin PGA Tour. Uh, she's uh, got uh, loads of experience in TV rights negotiations, uh, sponsorship procurement and activation, marketing and player relations, benchmarking studies, and large-scale uh, destination marketing. Uh, as I mentioned, she founded the uh, Executive Golf International, which is a strategy-driven golf marketing firm that was responsible for creating uh, Women's Golf Day, which we're going to talk about, and many other uh, notable projects. And she's also an author of several books. We'll talk a little bit about that. And then Elisa is going to be joining me uh, Thursday night on Golf Talk Live for a little bit longer conversation. We've only got a little bit of time uh, this morning with her, but uh, she'll come back and we'll expand a little bit more on our conversation. But Cindy, let's uh, uh, welcome our very special guest this morning, uh, Alyssa Godet. Good morning. Good morning. Cindy and Ted, great to join you. 
It's well, so thank nice you, to Alyssa. Meet you. We're friends on LinkedIn and all this other stuff, but I've never talked to you. So I'm thrilled to meet you in person, kind of. Yeah, likewise. <laughs> that, but let me tell you, that's the beauty of social media, right? It sure is. It sure is. Right. It, so I admire it, it, you. It, it, Tell us about how you started Women's Golf Day. So um, thank you, Ted. I need I need Ted to do yep. my uh, PR person. That was very nice of you to uh, give the list of of everything. But you know, after 16 years, you hear that and you go, Yeah, okay. Well, I've been doing this for a long time. Um, as Ted mentioned, I've been in the business side of golf for 16 years, and Cindy, I am sure you know we have heard time and time again how at these golf conferences and and through the governing bodies, how they wanted to get more women involved. Um, You know, and I, you know, no fault to anybody, but I think, you know, it's a puzzle we've all been trying to solve. And I think I came at it at a different angle. Why I really started this is because I saw all the other leagues, the NBA, the NFL, MLB, when I went to these sports conferences that involved more than just golf, and I saw how they were really targeting women as economic influencers. They knew that the women were buying yep. the shirts for the kids, the grandkids, and it can go from that, from the merchandising aspect, to a lot larger. Um, so, and we know this. There's study after study after study that women are responsible for billions and trillions of dollars of economic power around the world. They are the decision makers. <laughs> So what I did the first year, actually, is I went and I literally talked to the CEOs of the large management companies. So whether it's Dana Garmini from Troon or Eric from Club Corp, uh, Billy Casper, you know, um, the, the big firms. And I said, listen, I think we need to have a very strategic plan and a deck. And I said, I think we need to see women as economic influencers. This is my idea. A one-day kind of bring them in. We don't compete with anybody. I tell everybody we're like the New York Marathon inverted. Instead of everybody coming to us, we go to them for one day. But it's meant to be a platform for all these other programs. So we don't compete with Get Golf Ready or the LPGA Teaching Pros or the pro at the club. So we actually just give them a platform to bounce off in this kind of now global exposure because everybody's doing it on the same day. There's a lot of rah-rah. And I think, uh, you know, they helped us to – Form this, even the retail establishment. So, CJ Tour Superstore, and at the time, Golfsmith was involved, and they said, do it in June at the beginning of the season. We did it on a Tuesday, so we're not taking away revenue from an outing that usually happen on a Monday at most golf courses. Um, we did it in the afternoon. We highly recommend you do it in the afternoon. We allow women after work to kind of do it. And this is how, it got, how we came upon, you know, it's first Tuesday in June. We suggest a late afternoon. It's a four hours, first two hours. Women either take two hours of lessons, like an hour on the driving range, an hour chipping and putting, or you play nine holes. Hard stop, and then it's two hours of socializing. And this is another thing. No one has ever, if all if you and I and Ted never played tennis, when we show up at take tennis lessons, nobody has a frame of reference. We're all new to the game. No, no, none of us are going to say, hey, let's go to Wimbledon. I can get tickets and we can go watch. So the new people mixing with the existing people, that helped immensely. People really enjoyed it. They helped to bring them in. That was We looked at all the data points. Like women are leaving. They try it, but they don't like it. And then the other thing was allowing clubs it's their own little business for the day. So like Tupperware or Mary Kay, I know I'm dating myself by saying that, but <laughs> the, event can be, the event can be public or private, and they can charge a fee or not charge a fee. It's entirely up to them. They keep the money. In the past two years, we haven't charged them. Next year, we charge each location a flat fee of $100, and that's for all the marketing. We give them posters. We give them a toolkit. As soon as they sign up, they get posters, the logo, everything to make this easy because that was the other thing. The management company said, you know, you've got to make it easy. The pros are overwhelmed. They've got a 1,000 things going on. So they can order hats. They can order um, – we just kept it super simple, hats, visors, uh, a ball marker, and all the materials. They just have to put the name of their club and the address. I mean, it's really all done for them. So that's long-winded. Of, that, that's the whole thing in a nutshell. That's well, awesome. And, and yeah, I think it's fantastic. And, and before we get into some of the specifics about, you know, how many have been involved in that sort of thing, really what you're doing, Alyssa, is, is really planting a seed 
um, for a lot of people that maybe haven't had exposures, we were just sitting there, we're just talking about um, at the close of our first segment, was there's a lot of people out there that maybe have never played the game, uh, and their first, you know, it, first impressions are extremely important. And unfortunately, um, not in every case, but sometimes the first impression in the golf industry is not always the best impression. Um, it can be very intimidating for some, um, you know, walking up to, to an event or, or into the clubhouse if you've never played in a golf course or even picked up a golf club and suddenly you've got a, a pair of eyes staring at you um, and you're unsure of what questions to ask and that sort of thing. So really what you've done is you've kind of helped open a door for women uh, by having this, this Women's Golf Day that they can go and just have a, a good time, a social event. There's really no pressure um, and they're playing with like-minded people, many others that maybe have never played the game, some that may have played the game, and you're trying to do it in a way that makes it as easy and accessible for not only them, but also, as you just mentioned, for the golf courses as well. So um, give us an idea of, of just how vast and how quickly this has grown. How many countries uh, has this event sort of branched out to uh, go by with this year's uh, numbers? Yeah, so I'll give you just a quick rundown. So. This year, on June 6th, that was the second year. The first year, we had 485 locations in 28 countries. That was in uh, 2016. We grew 68%. This past June, we had 704 locations in 46 countries. Wow. Wow. It was, we had four golf courses in Nigeria. I mean, I physically Skyped with Nigeria, with India, um, it's unbelievable. And that really makes me happy because it's not just developed countries. And, and just to put that in reference, as we know, I am so blessed and honored that we've had some really incredible people that have jumped on. And as we all know, the first year of something is so hard, but Steve Mona from the World Golf Foundation is a gem because he got behind this. And you know how important it is. Uh, you know, and the rest of the organizations they got to wait because everybody and their brother has an idea and how we're going to solve it. So Steve got on board, and then um, Anthony Scanlon from the International Golf Federation, and that helped us to really grow internationally. And you know, we just had the Olympics uh, what a year or so ago, the first time since 1904. Right. Just to give you a frame of reference, which we all know the Olympics is going on for a long time. The Olympics had 42 countries represented in golf, and we had 46. So So just to give a frame of reference, we had 46 countries, more than the Olympics, on our second year. And I don't, the best thing I could tell anybody is go to the website and just take a look at those pictures. People sent videos. I mean, I get goosebumps even now when I look at it. I mean, just, you know, I never had children. So if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, I think this is my little fingerprint. Um, And, of course, it takes a village. It's not just (laughs) me. I have an incredible team. Every single person is volunteering. The same with myself. This started as a passion project. We had no idea it was going to grow as it did. So we have not taken a cent, but we got to we have to start putting some economics around it for next year. But the first two years we didn't. We went to the management companies the first year, and we went to all the organizations. I mean, the RNA has reviewed this. They put it on their agenda. I mean, so you know, God bless the organizations for really taking a look and, and now um, seeing, I think, in, I think the main thing too, is they realize we're not competing. We are giving everybody, we're just one giant rah, rah, you know, to give everybody else a platform. So whether you're, you know, the RNA or in the UK or the PGA of America to, it's a great way to say, Hey, let's do get golf ready or Hey, um, EWGA or LPA, LPGA teaching pros. Here's, we should, you know, Shame, shame on you if you're not at one of these events saying, hey, here's, here, hold my hand, here's how you go further on. And exactly. we, tell, you know, we, we give best practices. We give them little tips. We keep everything small. But we recommend that they say, now the money is not in, don't get me wrong, I would love for every woman to, you know, to play golf and play more often. But quite honestly, whether they play two times a year or 200 times a year, that's not the revenue. The revenue is, and why our, our, our industry is hurting is, Buying a house on a golf course, joining a country club, and taking a golf vacation. Those are big ticket items, and every single one of those are usually 98% of the time being made by couples, and the woman has a very strong say in in if you're going to buy a house on a golf course or join a country club or take a golf vacation. 
So we tell them, you know, in, let them know that they can host events. The average wedding venue cost in America, not at a country club, is eleven grand. So just once again, to put it in perspective, $11,000 to host an event. The average tea time, I think, is $40. You have to, play, you have to get a woman to play 200 and some odd times just for her to say, I'll host my daughter's wedding or 50th wedding anniversary or 50th birthday party or 16th or bar mitzvah. Or, do you know what I'm saying? It's a lot right. easier to get up right. to, to host an event at your place than play 200 times at your golf course. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of it's been – you're exactly right, Alyssa. I think that, you know, if you – and, again, this is not to be necessarily a criticism on in the industry, but I think a lot of focus has been on the male side of golf for, for a long, long time, uh, and it certainly has served the game well over the years. But you're dealing with a different generation now as well, the younger generation coming up. Many of them are not, are not gravitating. There's a lot of um, young women that maybe would be interested in playing – but the perception is, um, and, and Cindy, you and I have talked about this, is that, well, I'm, I'm not good enough to play, you know, professionally or on a golf team, um, or, you know, I don't want to play by myself because my girlfriends aren't interested. So they don't know where to go. They don't know what to do. And I think it's just a matter of marketing to that industry a little bit more effectively. And I think by what you're offering with this Women's Golf Day is, is helping to open the doors and it's obviously gone international, which has been fantastic because you're getting other countries besides the U.S. Um, that are, are gravitating to it. And I think this is why you're, you're getting such a phenomenal response. There's people, as you said, not, uh, you know, maybe in third world countries that uh, are, are sort of getting wind of this and saying, hey, that's something maybe I'd like to try. So, I, I, you know, kudos to you for, for, for taking on this task because I'm sure it's not easy. Yeah, no, thank you. But, you know, make no mistake about it, uh, social media and, and uh, people like yourself are, you know, clearly I didn't, <laughs> I didn't go to 46 countries. So, you know, it is right. the power of social media and community, which I think the underlying we started this thing, which if I can plug, I would highly recommend because it's free, is for every woman to go sign up to our Women's Golf Day. It's called VIP, Very Inspired Person, because we're realizing that these women want to connect with one another. So it's a free, and um, we are doing that. We're connecting, and, you know, we're going to grow that to find ways of how they can, because we see already that they're saying, like, oh, you know, if I'm going to go to Italy or I'm going to be in Florida, even within the U.S., you know, I live in New York, but I'm going to be in Florida for, uh, you know, is there someone I can get in touch with or one of the ladies, you know, cause you, they already felt it's got a warm fuzzy. It feels like there is a sisterhood going on. So how can I yeah. further communicate with these people and go visit their club or ask them about local stuff, you know? So yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, you know, we're seeing that and we're just kind of also letting the market dictate and navigating um, what we can do to further enhance and, and help. You know, we don't want to, I've made it so clear at my team. I'm like, we're not creating content. We're partnering. We've got probably, I'd say, 25 partner agreements with everything from national golf course owners, European golf course owners. We're just a, we were out there to help everybody else. And, you know, let them toot our flag on this one day a year you can do this, and we're helping them however we can. So, um, Can you give yeah. us the website what? again for our listeners to sign up for? Yeah, sure. It's um, Women's Golf Day. W-O-M-E-N-S-G-O-L-F-D-A-Y.com, no apostrophe. And uh, even if you Google it, thankfully, we've got enough traction that we find it. I guess I'll know we really made it if we get a Wikipedia page. But right now, we're, uh, yeah, it's um, womensgolfday.com. And I think right on there, we've got the VIP thing because we're really trying to get everybody. Now, tell us more about about so. Okay, tell us more about the women's VIP. So it's a it's a very VIP we call it, but I don't like this segregation of you know one person's more important. It's very inspired person, and um, it really is community because everybody asks us, do we have a charity associated with this? And we did look into that from the very inception, but what we have decided is we allow every once again because it's your own little micro business. Like we had the Olympic Club. We had Valderrama, um, Liberty National, Westchester, a lot of major courses that are private and that have hosted majors and things, and they all did it. 
And obviously they kept it private, so we respect that. But every single organization can do their own charity. If you want to charge 40 or 100 bucks and serve champagne and do what you like and give all that money to Susan Coleman or give that money to the American Cancer Society, then we absolutely encourage that. So, you know, obviously, plus it's around the world. I wouldn't want to force anybody into one charity. So we're allowing them to do it. And this VIP is just, um, you know, a membership organization. You know, we'll hear it as we go forward. But everything we've done has kind of been pure in the heart. And we'll figure out, you know, a $20 and you'll get added benefits. But right now we do a monthly giveaway. We pick somebody that's either spirited or, you know, we have some phenomenal photos and crazy stuff. I mean, these women were out in boas and, and feather hats, and <laughs> they really got into it in Australia and lots of places. So we send them something. Once a month, we pick a winner. And you get a monthly newsletter, which highlights every month. We highlight kind of a best practices, of course, what they did and how it was successful. So that helps all the other courses and locations. And then we highlight a, a woman that was spirited or something like that. We are using uh, womensgolf.com. We've partnered with them. So Nancy Berkeley, which is a, you know, I think a woman that has been championing women's golf for a long time. She is providing us with content as well as womensgolf.com. So we're at, right now we're, you know, because we have this global platform, we've got a poll going on Twitter, Solheim Cup, are you Team USA or Team Europe? And I think we have an interesting right. way to kind of pull this because we've got this international community where outside the U.S. and Europe, well, who's everybody else really rooting for? And it gives you, once again, you know, it's why President's Cup was created. It gives everybody else a chance to chime in. Um, so it's things like that that you'll see. It keeps you engaged. And, you know, we're looking at, you know, how can we point people to instructors or online instruction? Once again, we won't do it, but we're just going to be a resource to help point people. And, like, you know, we've partnered with people that – kind of like our best in class and our mm. we have like 23 or 28 um, people, men and women that are helping. We have country ambassadors. If anybody wants to be an ambassador, um, you know, we have in um, England and Poland, you know, Emma in the UK and Dominica and Poland, you know, Poland first year, a girl that's a dental student emailed us and said, I want to get my golf course involved. So we're like, great. You know, here's how you sign them up. Show them the info. The next thing, my web developer is like, oh, listen, we've got like three, four courses in Poland. Before the, f- the first year, we had 10 courses in Poland for the first year. And I'm like, what's going on? No one's wow. ever heard of golfing in Poland. <laughs> this, woman who, this woman who's a de- young girl who's a dental student, studying to be a dentist, and played, I think, college golf, went out and made it her goal to get 10 golf courses in her country. And this is, this is what gives me goosebumps. It gives you the power of it's put her on a platform. Now, her her federation, probably trying to get traction, trying to do something. If I can't tell you how many people are like, Alyssa, what's up with Poland? I have David McLaren from the European Tour Properties. There are people that are looking at this because it's a global map. That stays up all year long. You go to the map. You can go right now and see all the courses that participated. And this young woman, God, what? This is what you say. You go, Wow. Wow. That federation can well, try and, and, and try and, and take out ads, and all she did for free was go go get these people involved, championed it. And, you know, these are what our ambassadors do. They kind of help get courses and explain what it is and do it. That's so cool. Yeah, and you know, it is. Yeah, and you know, Alyssa, this yeah, this goes to really uh, a point in golf in general. You know, I can remember um, it seems like a lifetime ago, but it really wasn't that long ago. Um, you know, before, obviously, golf has been played around the world, but it really wasn't a global game uh, until you started getting more competitors from international, not just Europe, but other countries like South Korea and, and uh, Japan and others. And particularly in the women's market on the LPGA, I mean, there's such a huge diversity of players from all kinds of countries from around the world. And a lot of it started very simply the way you're pointing out with Poland is you know, uh, not that they weren't playing golf in that area, but there wasn't really a lot of exposure internationally. And now all of a sudden they say, hey, we want to get involved in this as well. So really, this is your organization and your Women's Golf Day is really opening a door for a lot of areas that maybe didn't, um, people would have never thought play. You know, I would have never thought, uh, you know, Poland, that there was a lot of people uh, get that much interest. Um, the same was said many years ago about uh, Korea and, and Taiwan and all these other areas over in, in the Asian belt that now today there are some very prominent people 
that uh, are coming out of there playing on uh, both the men's and, and predominantly the, the ladies' tour. So, you know, it just takes that spark or that seed, as I mentioned earlier, to be planted, and it's amazing what can grow out of it. So, uh, you know, I congratulate you yeah. on, on what you've done. Do you know exactly, what I mean? But you know what, exactly what you're saying. I think if you don't get – but you look at all these countries around the world. If you don't have the good fortune to have a person that comes out and plays on one of the professional tours, male or female, if you don't have a great – who ends up being a tour player or host a PGA tour, or your, if you don't host a major event, a tour event, if you're not a stop, then it's very difficult for your country or your location to get any traction on a global scale. And I feel for those because we all know the tour stop is extremely expensive. And, you know, becoming a tour player is, you know, I don't need to tell you that, you know, as you know, um, Cindy, is, is, it's just that's, that's tough. You know, that's hard. That's a needle in a haystack. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, give us an idea of, of, of the numbers. I mean, just the participants alone was, was pretty astounding. Uh, I was very impressed when I went on your website just from this, this year's event. I mean, you mentioned seven, what, 704 countries uh, or locations in, uh, what, 46-plus uh, countries. But how many uh, participants? It was in the thousands. Uh, give us an idea of some of the numbers. Oh, yeah. It, you know, this is a, a conservative estimate is 50,000. Wow. So, wow. because, you know, if, if you take 704 and you say you can get 20 women, or see, we know certain places, but like, for example, in China, at Mission Hills, they had 240. And even Golf Channel, I, I got to give a plug to Golf Channel. You know, they have been so wonderful. This year, they did so much coverage. <clears throat> they interviewed Golf Course in Ireland that signed up the first year from 1889. That golf course started. And they did it the first year. They were the first course outside the U.S. And you and I know, once again, the same thing. Getting these well-known courses, whether it's that or Valderrama or, you know, the Olympic Club, everybody else follows suit. So they did it in Waterville, um, and that helped us a lot in Europe. They were the first one outside the U.S. to do it. And then, um, and then Club Corp, who came on with 160 properties, Mark Gore is a CMO. They interviewed, now this being the second year, Waterville and they gave their experience, and then um, Firestone in Ohio, because that's a club core mm-hmm. property. Firestone had something like 20 women the first year. They had 140 the second year. So that's Wow, that's incredible. So, and they, everybody, club corp is on top of the moon because it's, and that's it. You know, you can bring, there's no, like you said, no pressure. All you got to, and I said, we can get celebrities involved. There's a, on the website, too, the, there's the interview that Golf Channel did with me. And I said, you know, this is a great opportunity for us, too, like Giselle Bunchen or Gigi Haid or I'm saying all these Taylor Swift or Katy Perry. If any of those did it, I would be on top of the moon. They don't have to play golf. We're always trying to find these celebrities, especially women, because there's so few that play. You don't have to play on our day mm-hmm. to want to swing a club. Because all you have to do is try. All we're asking you to do is try. Just try. Just Swing the club, well, hit a pot. If you don't like it, you don't like it, but everybody can at least try. So we can get some of these well-known people to just go try. Yeah, and that that's exact, you're exactly right. I think a lot of women, as I mentioned earlier um, before you came on, Alyssa, is you know a lot of women have been very intimidated, especially if they've never been involved with the game before. Maybe they didn't grow up playing golf, and they don't know what to experience. So this is really kind of giving them an opportunity to kind of you know, dip their toe in the, in the water a little bit without having to jump right in. And, you know, from there, it's really up to them what they want to do. If they want to pursue it a little bit more, maybe they're going to take lessons because they really like it and, and become better and, and not necessarily that they're going to venture out on tour, but um, maybe they want to get some of their, their um, other family members that, uh, that would like to play that haven't played. Uh, or maybe they just want to join their family uh, who maybe some have played and they just never gravitated to the game earlier on in age. Um, but, you know, this is an opportunity for a lot of women to, as I said, you know, kind of get their feet wet a little bit and, and experiment without really the high pressure that sometimes uh, some of them might feel. Um, so what's coming up for, for next year? I know you're going to be playing again in 2018. What, what can, uh, what some of the, the things coming up for that year? So June 5th. Uh, Tuesday, and um, you know we're like I said, you know, just going to enhance on what we've already done. You know, we get 
better and smarter. Our technology will be more advanced. We kind of outgrew what we had, so that will be hopefully easier to navigate. Um, I think we're not going to um, we're going to let the clubs deal with all the payments and everything themselves. We were using Eventbrite as a back end. We're just going to give them a link. And so, yeah, just a lot of, you know, technology, um, hopefully technology PR and some uh, sponsors, you know, that can help us to, you know, I've been, I've been underwriting at my company for the past two years. So while I, like I said, am, have done it, but I think there's no reason, as I say to the clubs, there's no reason why you can't make money on this. We shouldn't look at women sure. as like, oh, let's do that little pat on the back. We'll give her this for free. We're willing to spend $200 on a pair of shoes. We're darn well going to spend at least 50 bucks on an outing. So right, let's look exactly. at it sensibly for everybody. So that everybody should make money, not in a greedy way, in a substantive, any way that you would go buy anything else at a store, anything from a, you know, a, you know, a, a sure, it has to, be- to, to a Tiffany's, uh, you know, bracelet. Right, it has to be value, value added, and, and I agree. Whole- exactly. Right. Um, so, so for, yeah, for those I'm looking that forward to that- getting some sponsors that can help really, you know, more so not just that they're going to write a check. I mean, we're looking at people, and there's so many that are now have inspiring messages and doing and can help a brand grow so much with their leverage, too. So we're looking for the right ones because we've already had people come so, to us, and we've said no. So. Right. So, so for, love, for the folks that maybe – Right. No, and, I, and that's that's a great way to, to a great attitude to have about it as well. So, Alyssa, for for those that maybe would be interested in sponsorship or maybe interested in having uh, that event at their uh, venue, do they just go to the website, or is there somewhere else that they, that we should be directing them to? Yeah, they can go to the website. Um, you know, we have info at Women's Golf Day that goes to a general mailbox that somebody in our team uh, reviews, but. Um, you know, they can find me, Alyssa Gaudet, on LinkedIn, or I get a lot of things there, LinkedIn, or Alyssa at execgolfintel.com, you know, my Executive Golf International website. They Google any of those, they'll uh, find me. Well, perfect. Awesome. Um, well, Alyssa, unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately, this morning we're, we're out of time, but you're going to be joining me Thursday night on Golf Talk Live, and we're going to carry the conversation over there, you and I, um, this Thursday night, uh at, um, from 8 to 9 Eastern for those of you on the East Coast uh, or 7 to 8 Central for those of you in Central Time. Uh, and we're going to talk about uh, a little bit more about uh, Women's Golf Day again, but also uh, you've uh, been involved in writing several books. Uh, we didn't get a chance to get to that this time, but we'll talk about that Thursday night. But Lissa, um, what, a great, uh, what a great platform and a great event that you've started here in the last couple of years and obviously has taken off, and I know it's, it's going to continue to grow, but... Uh, uh, God bless you and, and much continued success. And I look forward to uh, you joining me Thursday night. Thank you. Thank you, Cindy and Ted, for um, giving us this platform to share the message. It's greatly appreciated. Great job. Keep it going. You're, yeah, you're welcome, Alyssa. <laughs> we will. <laughs> all right. Will you, all right. I'll you have a great Thursday. day. And, 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 all right. Thanks, Alyssa. All right. Bye bye. Okay. Bye bye. All right, that was our very special guest, Alyssa Gaudet, uh, president uh, of Executive Golf International and Women's Day, uh, Women's Golf Day, excuse me. Uh, you can go to womensgolfday.com uh, to learn more about that. But we've got to go. And again, apologies for earlier interruption in the program. Hopefully, it wasn't too much of an inconvenience for you. But Cindy uh, and I have got to uh, move on, and we've got to do some things uh, for the rest of the day. But uh, we want to thank everybody for joining us. Uh, and you can go to blogtalkradio.com, type in Women of Golf, and you can hear the show. Uh, in its entirety, particularly the interview with Alyssa. And uh, we look forward to uh, you joining us next week, uh, next Tuesday, right here on the Women of Golf. Thanks, Cindy. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon. You do the same. Bye-bye. Bye.